everybody and welcome back to One of Us is a Filmmaker. Hello, hello. We hope you've been enjoying the other episodes so far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. Have you been enjoying them, Orion? Yes, they've been great. Uh, it's been uh, fun. Essentially, today is, it's looking back at the classics. So we're going to look back at a very classic film franchise. It's not even just a franchise for films. There's a ride that it's based on. Anyone give two guesses what the film might be? Are we doing Pirates of the Caribbean? We are. Hey, there we go. So Pirates of the Caribbean came out in 2003. Oh my gosh, that's 20 years ago it came out. That was a long time ago. Long, long time ago. really long time ago. Makes Mm. me feel really old. Yeah, I was, how old was I? I was five. Oh goodness me. I think in this podcast today, we're going to be talking about all the films briefly, but mostly focusing on the first film. Purely because I think it's the best one. No, uh, because it's it had the most impact for us and it sort of kicked off the whole film side of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Also, if I'm if I'm being totally honest, I haven't seen the last two Pirates Caribbean films. Oh dear. Have you? Yeah, I have. I've seen number, f- what is it, number four and five. And they are different. I think it's really hard when you have kind of a story rounded up by the third film, and then they keep going. <laughs> There's sort of nothing really left to tell, but they kind of just make up stories to do with Jack Sparrow, which I guess is fun. I remember thinking the fourth one was really bad, and the fifth one was, <clears throat> like, passable as a film. <laughs> so, If people haven't seen Pirates of the Caribbean, there are five films in the franchise. The Curse of the Black Pearl, which came out in 2003, mm-hmm. which is the one we're going to be speaking about the most which is really good yeah we have pirates caribbean 2 dead man's chest which came out in 2006 it's probably the one i've seen the most i would say and then there is at world's end which is the third one which came out in 2007 then we have on stranger tides which came out in 2011 then we had dead man tell no dead men tell no tales 2017 i've seen the curse of the black pearl the most and definitely enjoyed it the most mm-hmm Going back to what you said about how the later films feel like independent films about Jack Sparrow's life, I feel like that actually could have been really good if they had just done that from the beginning. So because they basically had Dead Man's Chest and The World's End, they kind of connected. Mm. Yeah. But then they didn't feel that they didn't feel very connected to the first films. I don't think they intended to make a sequel to Pirates of the Caribbean. It didn't feel like I felt like they were trying to make a film and have a self-contained story. That's because everyone thought that the first film was going to be a flop. Really? Wow. Yeah, because nobody had done pirate films since like the 70s and I think any pirate film that had been attempted had just really done really poorly with audiences. So it was a big risk. I mean, they had also, you know, they had Johnny Depp on board and he was a very established actor at this point already. But he wasn't bankable by this point, not in the way he is today. He wasn't like super proven, like mega blockbuster. He wasn't like... Will Smith was at the time, for example. I I see that, but yeah, you are right in that it's a bit strange because two and three feel very connected. But I mean, they, they, I think they do an okay enough job of making sure the second one is clear and that it is a sequel to the first film. It doesn't feel totally unnatural that they've gone down this route. So like the fact that they go with Davy Jones Davy Jones is referenced in the first one and, you know, Will's father is talked about a lot. So it kind of, it didn't feel too strange. And then you obviously, the third is 
basically a direct sequel to the second, which was kind of always planned. But four and five are post the events of the first three, and they're both set in completely sort of different locations and completely different stories with new characters each time. It's a bit strange. Well, but that can, that can work. There are lots of film branches where they have kind of self-contained narratives each time and maybe there's one character that remains the same. Think of Knives Out and how every new film that Rian Johnson does is going to be a new mystery and the only common thread is going to be Blanc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Played by Daniel Craig excellently. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I just think... I mean, they should have established that from the beginning if they were going to do that. So that's probably why it feels strange now that the last two are more self-contained. Because it does feel like what you have is a trilogy and extras. Yeah, leftovers. It, it kind of feels like it's not... Money grabbing. I mean, yeah, oh, that is probably the key reason. Although I feel like I can't comment on the quality of On Stranger Tides or Dead Men Tell No Tales because I haven't seen it. But if you tell me they're not great, I, I will believe you. Sorry, I might discuss it a bit later. I'm sure... Some of our listeners will have seen them. As I said, like I was only, what, five years old when Pirates 1 came out. And I, I'm not really sure the first time I viewed it, but I'm just thinking like kids born after that time probably saw the most recent two. You know, they, they may not have even seen the first three. Well, I can tell you exactly when I saw the first film. I have a very, very vivid memory of it. Ooh. So we were on a plane. I can't remember where we were flying to or from, but it was on the big screen that was at the front of like, it's not a plane carriage, but you know, when they just had like the big screen at the front and they didn't have the screens on the chairs. Yeah, yeah. It was playing on that and we were the second row back. So I was sort of peeking through the, the like breaks in the chairs in front, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. trying to watch it. I missed the first... 20 minutes of the film because I was scrambling trying to get the headphones to work and all these things <laughs> and I remember really enjoying the scale of it I hadn't really seen a pirates film that wasn't you know an animation or tv show or something and I always loved Peter Pan so I was well up for it anything to do with pirates I mean I'm just thinking what what was the the sort of pirate film before number one you know what what was the big was it hook was Hook the most recent one? Yeah, but that's not really a pirate film. It's well, yeah, very different, I would say. There was Waterworld, which was a big flop. Waterworld? I don't remember that. Have you never heard of Waterworld with Kevin Costner in it? It's like one of the biggest flops of all time, and they filmed a lot of it in water. And uh, well, I'm going to see it now. <laughs> I'm going to see it, that's for sure. Yeah, and that was 1995, Waterworld. Yeah, I think just movies with pirates and sort of big set pieces on water. I can imagine an exec being like, no, Waterworld was an absolute mess, an absolute flop, no, 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 no. We're not going to touch it, not going to do it. You know, they based it on the ride and the screenwriters. I think they might have been pitching a sort of similar pirates idea before and then they based it on the theme park ride and that's when Disney got excited, etc, yeah. etc. Et and apparently Disney was considering doing this as a straight-to-video film instead of a big mega blockbuster. I don't know why they changed their minds, but something spurred them on to commissioning a movie based on a theme park ride. And I think that's part of why people thought it was going to be a flop, it was going to be a bit silly, a bit kidsy. And actually, what you have instead is a, a swashbuckling adventure, but not as silly as that sounds. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Very dark, and I know the director's vision for the film was to have everything feel very real and grotty. And, you know, the pirates aren't pirates with, you know, hooks for hands and silly massive hats. It, they're very, like, 
worn down and rotten and mm. horrible. And I think, you know, Gore Verbinski, if that's what he was trying to do, I mean, he really nailed it. Like, everything feels very real. I used to watch all the behind the scenes. So we had Pirates of the Caribbean on DVD. And I was obsessed with watching behind the scenes of any movies. And they had a whole breakdown of the scale of the film and what was required for them to make all these pieces. And, you know, they had hundreds of extras. They had to take over St. Vincent in the Caribbean and fly about 400 people over there to work on the film. And they also shot in studios in the US and on site in the US as well. So it was a massive operation. I can't imagine being the producer on that. <laughs> Stressful. I mean, I'm surprised considering they were taking a punt on it. <laughs> they invested a lot in it if they weren't sure about it. Well, I think they hoped that it would be successful and they obviously saw the potential for it to be successful. But at the back of yeah. their minds and I think... Well, not necessarily their minds, but in the back of the minds of the actors and maybe some of the people involved in the film. Mm. They thought, oh, this just seems like a bit of a silly, fun pirate movie. I don't know who's going to go watch it. Yeah. Uh, but lo and behold, it was massive. For good reason. I mean, it's really good. <laughs> like, it's really... It's very long. It is quite long. I forget till I watch it again that I'm like, oh, this is like two and a half hours, this film. In my head... Watching it as a kid, it didn't feel that long. I always thought it was maybe an hour and a half. I don't feel like it feels long. It doesn't feel like it's never-ending. It does feel well-paced. And I think all the sections that it has tie nicely together. So you don't feel like you're watching a two-and-a-half-hour movie. On number two and three, I did feel like those two felt a bit long. And I actually made my partner, who'd never seen any of the Pirates of the Caribbean, watch the first one, which he really enjoyed. Then we watched the second one, which he also barely enjoyed and then the third one we got about 10-15 minutes in and he was just not engaged and I was like I actually can't be bothered to watch this third one yeah the third one I would agree it's too long <laughs> it suffers from the the sort of what was it? it it was around the similar time as well the sort of Spider-Man 3 issue where there's just it's too long there's too many things going on the plot isn't super coherent you've got all these characters kind of coalescing and it's supposed to be this big epic, but actually what happens is it just becomes not even real, not even something that you really want to watch. I mean, that sounds really harsh to the third one, but it's kind of true, especially when you're comparing it to this first and second, I would say. Is the third one the one where Jack Sparrow is wandering around a dead desert place? So he, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Because this, this so the second one, he is left on the ship with the Kraken. And he gets eaten by the Kraken, basically. Yeah, presumed dead by the Kraken. And then they have to go to World's End to go get Jack Sparrow to come back because Jack Sparrow is like the only one who can save the pirates. I don't know. Do they do much lore about what World's End is? Is it like the afterlife? Is it like just the end of no. the sea? I don't know. Is it inside the Kraken? Is it... I don't know. Where is World's End? They... I, well, it's the world's end. It's, it's the concept of like a flat earth. If you sail to the end of the ocean, to the horizon, you'll find world's end. Like that's the kind of the concept, but they don't explicitly really say what it is. One of the characters, I'm forgetting her name now. The one who, like, she sees the future. and Calypso, that's it. Played by Naomi Harris. She kind of is explaining this whole thing because she's like the only one that is tuned in and clued into spiritual stuff. <laughs> you know, so... That's kind of how they explain World's End. I mean, I guess you don't need to have this stuff explained, but I was just curious. 
I actually had a Pirates Caribbean poster on my um, bedroom wall and it was massive. Everyone my age fancied or really liked Will Turner and I was like, he's boring. <laughs> Go for the Jack Sparrow. He's boring. He's cool. Well, I mean, Will Turner's very, like, laced up and, you know, he hasn't got much of a personality, let's be honest. Will Turner is quite, like, meh. He's very um, moralistic, I guess. But that kind of degrades over the film. So there is, like, some interesting things about his character, I think. I just, yeah, it's quite plain. It's almost like, yeah, it was like he took the unemotional elf in Lord of the Rings and just sort of translated that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, it, I mean, for the first one, it was kind of the breakout roles, I would say. I mean, that's for sure. For Orlando Bloom, he had already been in all the Lord of the Rings before this came out. So I think he was getting established. But yeah, this really solidified him as, you know, a Lister lead actor. Yeah. Kira Knightley ended like Beckham, which was a really big success. But then again, this really did solidify her as an A-Lister Hollywood actress. She was only 17 when she made this movie. Yeah. That makes me feel really creeped out. <laughs> She's really young. Um, because she was super young when Bend It Like Beckham was made, and then she was, like, even younger when they did Star Wars. So, I mean, she only has, like, a brief stint in that. I understand she looks older for her age, but still, when you look back and realise, it's just a bit like... <laughs> but that's interesting, because, like, wouldn't wouldn't they have thought, oh, okay, we might go with someone else because she wasn't an adult yet. She wasn't 18, so it's, like, harder to not to work with, but just, like, logistically it's more annoying to have a person under 18 than to get someone over 18. But I mean when she was filming Pirates Caribbean her mum went everywhere with her so. They must have had a whale of a time. Yes they must have. I mean I think there was a quote from Keira Knightley that she thought she was going to be fired from the film in like the first few days. I can see how when you're that young and in such an operation a machine as big as that and you've never done a movie of that scale and so few actors actually would have done a movie of that scale how it would be quite scary. But how, okay, so how do you feel about, we we know that there's clearly some hatred towards the third one, but how do you feel about the first and the second as individuals then and, and, and as together? I have so many great memories of the first film. I think it has so many great sequences. There's some great characters. There's the two pirates, the one with the wood eye and then the guy with the really yellow eyes who are, who are a pair. And I always loved their little sections together because they were funny, but also really creepy. Yeah, yeah. And I really loved the sword fighting sequences. I mean, say what I will about the plot or whatever it could be about the films. (laughs) The action sequences are really great. And the sword fighting. And I used to recreate the sword fight between Will and Jack Sparrow in, you know, in the little mill place where the donkey is in the first one. I used to recreate that. And my strongest vision of the second film is when they're having a sword fight and it's on that like spinning wheel thing that's like rolling through the jungle. Yeah, that's a great sequence. Fantastic sequence. There's so many great things about the first one. It's got a really good pace compared to the other ones, which is why I think it doesn't feel long when I watch it. Whereas I feel like elements of the second and definitely the third one, it's like a bit too much all at once. Yeah, and I think the first one, well, potentially you could say the second one as well. I would say less so, but the first one played quite nicely with genre in that It was obviously an adventure and it had action, but it was actually, and you've mentioned it like before uh, with the two, um, the two pirates, the film's scary. Like it's actually quite scary and they do a really good job of that. Even from like early on in the film, you know, when uh, the pirates, they raid Elizabeth's house and they're like chasing after her. 
and it's quite scary. And then she has to lock herself in the closet and like you get the two poking their eyes through and they say like, hello, Poppet. Hello, Poppet. <laughs> and she's like, Pale. Yeah, Pale. Um, which everyone in the audience would have just been like, what the heck is Pale? Now we know what Pale is. <laughs> mm. I'd say the second one, yeah, it kind of loses that fear factor, but they, I can tell that they're trying to break, to get it in a way, like especially with Davy Jones and when you're on his ship, um, there's lots of scenes where it's very dark and they're, they're tr- I feel like they're trying to recreate that sense of horror, I guess, not quite horror, but touching on horror, but I don't think it lands as well. The second one, I'd say, yeah, it's less scary and more just a bit gross when they had like things growing on the sides of their faces. And there's that one pirate who's like half a whale or like half a shark. And yeah, he's half a shark. <laughs> one's got like a turtle arm or something. So it's kind of more funny than scary, I thought. It's still good design, I think, but I think they ran away with the CGI. I think it would have been a bit nicer if they'd had some more practical aesthetics. It suffers from that. But I do think one thing about the second one is it still feels very adventurous. And like you said, the there's that great scene where they're on the wheel and it's falling and everyone's trying to get to the chest and the heart. And you have all these different people. You have the, you know, this strange indigenous clan chasing the main pirate crew. And then you have the undead Davy Jones crew chasing other people and then there's this like three-way sword fight happening it's like it feels very adventurous and it's like what we said in you know last episode with the goonies was it somehow touches on that sense of adventure still so i definitely would give that as a redeeming factor yeah definitely it is still fun i remember watching the second one though and feeling a bit bored i think that's a bit where there's they're all at sea on a boat chase for a while and i think mm. i can't really remember the details of it but i think i remember thinking this feels a bit long oh that does last too long yeah there's cuz there's a bit where something happens and then they sort of cut to the black pearl going away from Davy Jones's ship, and then basically what's just happened in the past couple of minutes on screen, a boat chase, it just continues for another couple of minutes with like that cut that just separates the two parts. So yeah, that that lasts way too long. But the performances in the second film are really good, like the first one. Kira's great in it. Orlando Bloom is great in it. I'm just saying I think his character's a bit bleh. But um, Johnny Depp's great in it, but also Bill Nye even acting through his squid face. He's great. He's really good. And Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah, Stellan Skarsgård as Bootstrap Bill. He's great. I mean, he's great in everything. So they're really fun performances still to watch. The actors are given a lot to play with, you know, a lot to to show off um, just because they are so wacky and weird, you know, they can be like that. When we look at the third film then, what do you remember about it? Did you say you just gave up with it when you watched it recently? Yeah, I've definitely seen it a few times when I was younger, but recently I haven't watched it all the way through. I just remember they they like in a they go to some pirates clan in East Asia and I just have a vision of Kira Knightley wearing uh like a traditional Japanese garb, that might not be correct, but that's my memory of it and these swords popping out from the ground, Captain Barbosa being there and fighting with them. And then I have really no memory of what happens in the rest of the film. Yeah, I mean, that's basically the very opening scene. The rest of it is kind of them just trying to make deals with the other pirate lords and trying to save the world from 
the end of the world, whatever that really means. And I guess one way they thought to do that was to get Jack Sparrow back. And who has the heart? Well, who has the heart? It's at that point, it's the British army because the British army are given the heart at the end of the second film by, um, what's his name? Cor- Torring- Dorrington? Torrington? What's his name? Norrington. James Norrington. That's it. Torrington? Dorrington? <laughs> it was close. I was in Orrington. Um, but yeah, so he steals the heart at the end of the second one and gives it to the British Army. I've seen these films so many times, at least the first one and two, but I can't really remember what the significance of this heart is. If you stab it, what's going to happen? That creepy creature, Bill Nye, is going to die? Is that the vibe? Yes. So. And what's the problem with that? Uh, I know that, like, if they have the heart, it controls the sea. Yeah, it's, the, it's, who, it's whoever has the heart controls the Kraken, I think. And they, and they get control of Davy Jones' ship. So they basically get control of those two things. Davy Jones gives the heart and locks it in a box because he is basically saying he's giving his heart to Calypso. I know they had a whole romantic fling situation. Yeah, and then at the end of the third one, Calypso just becomes some a bunch of crabs and it's a bit weird. I don't really, I, I wasn't really sure of the whole significance of it. I think that's why I got confused with the third one. I was just like, I don't really understand the point of all this and what i'm supposed to care about because jack sparrow's role by number three is basically of no importance they don't need to go get him they want to go get him because they like him as a friend sort of there's a reason why they need to get him the reason is that there's like nine pieces of gold kind of like the rings in lord of the rings where this is what i mean in the third one they just put so much into it yeah and at the same time the film is boring (laughs) and that's never a good combination (laughs) yeah it's a classic classic spider-man 3 like i said it's just too much going on not actually that interesting i mean as a trilogy it's it's good i can't think of it as a trilogy i think of it as the first film and then the second and third are their own sort of weird thing yeah and then as i said i don't know about the other ones but there was such a gap between the third and then the fourth and the fifth. Like, so the gap between the first, second and third kind of made sense if they were trying to go for a trilogy. But then there was this long gap where they just felt, I, I don't really know what happened. They just thought, oh, we'll bring it back five years later, is it? Or something like that. Pirates Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, it came out in 2003. And then Dead Man's Chest didn't come out till 2006. And then At World's End came out in 2000. At World's End came out in 2007. So obviously they wrote the second and third film together and sort of prepped and probably shot it very back to back. Oh, yeah, that's true. It obviously gives the idea that they did not preconceive doing a sequel to the first one. So that's why it feels so complete, the first film. Whereas the second and third one, they literally wrote it together. They could have named those films. You know how they have Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows Part 1 and Part 2. They could have done that called Dead Man's Chest Part 1 and Dead Man's Chest Part 2. They could have done that, rather than having two separate titles, because unlike the other films in the franchise, they are not standalone. Yeah, they definitely definitely are standalone films. I mean, I'm kind of glad they didn't go with the Part 1 and Part 2 naming convention, because I just couldn't handle it when everything started doing, like, Part 1s and Part 2, like, when Harry Potter 7 was split, and, oh, it was just too much. And then I'm pretty sure Hunger Games did the same thing. Yeah, Hunger Games did the same thing. Their last... The last book was split into two films. And then obviously you've just got to think about The Hobbit being split into three films, which is just ridiculous. Oh, I couldn't deal with that. That's another topic for another time. My 
recollection of the fourth one is Penelope Cruz sort of running around. I remember it being really bad. Like me and my girlfriend watching it and thinking, this is not good. Nothing to do with Pirates of the Caribbean. The story as a standalone isn't doing much and it's really boring. It did suffer from some of the things that the third one suffered from, which is like pacing. It was just too long again. Oh dear, Stranger Tides has a 33% tomato rating. Yeah, it's very poor. It's very, very poor. That Also, the performances are really bad. Like, I remember thinking, mm. is this Jack Sparrow? Like, is this Johnny Depp? I, I just feel like everyone wasn't invested anymore. You know, it felt like they had already given up and it was like, why are we here? We got paid like... 10 million to be here, but what's the point? That's what's sad because I think one of the great strengths of Pirates of Caribbean 1 and even 2 is that the performances are so good. Yeah. Across the board. And I, I can't even knock, I can't knock the performances in number 3 either. Mm. Whether or not you like it, I still think they all do a good job of staying true to the character. Whereas it, like, obviously you haven't watched it, but it was very strange watching number 4 because I was just like, this is not what I remember. And because Barbosa's in it as well, and even he's just strange. I I don't, I'm not sure what happened there. Yeah, it's hard to know whether it is just a tiredness thing or, a, you know, we, we know this movie is going to sell, so let's just chill out. Or if the director was actually trying to do something different and it just didn't mesh well or the performances then became stilted, it's really hard to know. Mm. I'm actually looking at the Rotten Tomatoes of all the films. So Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl has an 80% tomato rating. Very good, very good. That's very decent. Good stuff. Then we have Dead Man's Chest. We jump down a wee little bit to 53% tomato meter. Mm. Pirates Caribbean at World's End has 44% tomato meter, so it's jumped about 10% down. Then we have Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tide. As I said, that has a 33% tomato rating. And then finally, we have Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. That is a 30% tomato rating. So it mm. progressively goes down and by quite a fair bit from the first film. Yeah, sounds about right. But it's it's interesting because I really didn't like the fourth one. I thought it was just garbage, to be honest. Um, but the fifth one, a far cry from the first two, I would say. But it felt okay. It, like, it felt like a passable adventure flick, I guess. I don't know how else you would say it. But it didn't fall victim to some of the things of the fourth one, which were at least the characters and the and the portrayals felt okay. Like, I, I actually felt like I was watching characters rather than just people reading lines. That's good. Yeah, and then the story was a little bit all over the place, but it... I kind of forgave it for that because it was kind of funny. So, <laughs> Is this one of those things where we will like watch bad films and just find it hilarious and so enjoy the film? Is it that situation? Yeah, I guess you could say the fourth one is like watching a bad film and thinking this is bad, I'm not enjoying this. Whereas the fifth one is like this is bad, but you know what? It's kind of funny. <laughs> so it's like, but it's good funny because it's like, it's clearly not trying to be a comedy, but it, 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 I think... I think by that point they'd realised it was... that You know, the last film sucked. It's six years later. Let's just make a Pirates film, have some fun. Yeah, it's a shame because it's... I mean, this can happen to a lot of franchises where you have one really great standout movie that yeah. is a great movie in of itself and then suddenly 
just the fizz runs out, you know, the sparkle runs out in the movies. And <sighs> But it's, it's also not even the movies. It's like, I know Johnny Depp has said he wants to make films for his kids. Like, that was his whole spiel, right, about Pirates of the Caribbean and staying on and doing it. But does that just want to be part of this? It doesn't feel like it. I'm not going to lie. It doesn't feel like it. Some Sometimes in the third one, it doesn't feel like it. But then definitely in the fourth and fifth, you can tell it's just like fatigue. I think. Very possibly. That can be down to a number of things. And maybe they don't really want to do it, but, you know, it's a big part in a big Hollywood movie and they probably are getting offered a lot of money to do it. Or perhaps some of the actors might have been tied into a number of sequels, so they have to do it. Yeah. You just never really know all the politics of what's going on behind the scenes. And also you can read a script and think it's going to be great, but the process of filmmaking is that things change and things go wrong and sometimes... The director's vision gets out of hand or, you know, just departments aren't communicating well, so it just gets a bit muddied. Also, when you're working with a studio, they have a lot of say, so it could be that the director's cut of these films are actually pretty decent, but things were cut and things were changed that the director wasn't happy with. So it was really hard to know, and even though I've just been ragging on the second and third films, I will always appreciate the fact that Filmmaking is exceptionally difficult and it requires an absolute mountain of people to make something that is cohesive and that's really difficult, especially working with a big studio and the pressure and expectations from the studio and the fans. I always have that thing of why can't they just leave it be a great film on its own? Why do they have to keep making more? Just let it that be your big standout. Yeah, just that, that's your big standout, amazing film. Just, yeah. you know, don't try and recreate the magic because it's really hard to do that. Yeah, just let it lie. Well, I mean, if uh, anyone can find a director's cut of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, you let me know <laughs> and uh, I'll check it out. Um, so, <laughs> so maybe it's great. Yeah, there's this whole, in the fifth one, there's this whole like scene where he's in London and he's like on trial. London? Yeah, he's on, Captain Jack is on trial and the whole thing is so goofy. He's wearing, you know, one of those white wigs. It's all so strange. And then Gibbs has to come and bail him out of jail or something like that. It, it was all a bit all over the place, <laughs> but it was kind of funny. So, I, I mean, I'm not sad that I haven't seen that film. I wouldn't recommend them to people. I would recommend... Just, you know, if you want to watch a great film, fun, very adventurous and quite original, I would say, just watch the first one and leave it at that. Yeah, I think you don't need to watch the others. And it's a shame because sometimes in franchises or just sequels generally, you can do amazing sequels, but it is very hit and miss. And most of the time, the sequels are not as good as the first. So wish people could just, you know, be be satisfied with doing one great film. But, but no, always got to chase the sequel. Well, to wrap up, this might be a really obvious answer, but maybe it won't be. What is your favourite film? You can include the theme park ride itself. I haven't been on the theme park ride, I don't think. Yes, you have. You have. We've been to Disneyland and you've been on it. I think you were very scared because it was quite dark. Oh, I used to be terrified of rides. I used to not go anywhere near them. You definitely have been on it. It's sort of like it's a small world after all sort of thing, but there's just pirates instead <laughs> and you're on a boat, you're just going through some water, there's one like slight decline where you go like rushing down but it's only like it's tiny uh i do remember this yes i have like flashes of being in it <laughs> oh dear. And that sounds really scary so is it one of those where like 
it almost feels like the boat is getting like elect electronically like pushed forward. It I don't know if it is or not, but it it kind of feels like. That. I couldn't tell you how they propel the boat forward, but you're in water and all around you there are pirates. I think you were crying when we were on the boat. Well, I was really young when that happened. Firstly, I didn't like rides. Secondly, you put me in this dingy, dark, scary thing with all these scary objects all around me. And I'm like, what, like seven <laughs> six? <laughs> like, I mean, they recreate quite a few of the scenes that are in the theme park ride in the movie. So there's a bit where all the people in prison next to Jack Sparrow, they're like dangling the keys for the dog to get. And that's a very iconic scene that the theme park ride has. But, I mean, there's no real narrative to the ride at all. Um, that was all. The narrative of the film is very much conceived by the screenwriters themselves. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, for me, my favourite movie of the franchise, slash the theme park ride, would have to be the first one. And I actually really love the ride itself because I love rides and I really enjoyed that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm pro for the ride and I'm pro for the film number one. Yeah, I think we're both in agreement then. Number one. Not on the ride, though. No, not on the ride. <laughs> not on the ride. I would probably love it now if I went. But number one just exceeds the rest of them by quite some distance, I would say. But I, even though I don't really like the third one and I think it has a lot of issues, I would not be surprised if lots of people said that they loved the second and third one either. I did say about the Rotten Tomatoes that the tomato rating was quite low. The audience scores for all of them are generally okay. They're like around 70%, except from the first one is um, 86%. So the first one, many people prefer it by a big margin, both critics and audiences as well. Wow. But anyway, I think that's... That's us looking back at, at a classic, a classic franchise of the Pirates of the Caribbean. And, I, you know, we might not need to look back soon because I think they are making another one. <laughs> classic franchise. We'll have to update it. Yeah. Although, to be fair, probably neither of us will actually go see it. Unless it gets amazing reviews. I'm always, you know, I'm very open to things. If, if they have great reviews and there's, you know, buzz about the film, then I, you know, I'll, give it, I'll give it a shot. Here we go again. <laughs> great. <laughs> I guess it's time to say goodbye to everybody listening at home or on the train or wherever you might be. Wherever you might be. Thanks very much for listening, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, please do follow, subscribe and share all about our podcast. All the good stuff. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.